Welcome to What's NXT, the podcast about the best weekly wrestling television show, NXT. I'm Tristan Marsh. I'm Alec Fazio. And this is What's NXT for episode 431, January 24th, 2018. Hell yeah. How you doing, Alec? I'm doing pretty good. Right off the bat, I want to apologize if my audio is a little funky. I'm having some technical issues over here, but... I'm sure it'll be cleared up by next week. Yeah, he's just got to tape up his wrists or whatever. You folks have just probably watched TakeOver and the Royal Rumble, but we're still talking about last week's NXT episode. So That's right. We don't know what the fuck just happened. I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it was great, too. Speaking of main event WWE, you want to get some bullshit out of the way? Yeah, let's. Did you watch Raw 25? I could not watch the entire thing because it was not great, but I watched some of it. Apparently, Jimmy Fallon fucked it up for everybody. I don't think you could put it all on Jimmy Fallon. I think the matches were actually not that great. And like the backstage segments were actually a lot of fun. I found that I was skipping matches and watching the backstage segments because I thought they were like way more fun. And I got to see like this nostalgia stuff. Although for some of it, I don't don't give a shit about Johnny Ace. I know a lot of people know about that. I I don't know. That just wasn't my time. They buried my Toms of Finland, Big Burly Boys, The Revival. I don't like that. Oh, of course they're going to bury those guys. They were out talking so much shit about old people last time. It's like, that's what happens. Yeah, but how great would it have been if the revival had somehow cheated to get over and then it naturally built a storyline of the new club versus the revival? That would be fun. I mean, but they're not going to do that. These big spectacle episodes don't have to be completely outside of continuity well that was actually one of the ones i did not watch so fuck the revival then oh my god i haven't heard that in a million years they did a weird conga line of x degeneration x members oh i wanted to watch that i heard x Pac actually got over he did everybody was cheering for him but then one person would come out and then go And it wouldn't be a reunion without... And then another person would come out, take five minutes to get to the ring, and then they would get the mic and go, and who could forget? And then another person would come out. So after everybody's finally all in the ring, who shows up but the newly reformed club with Finn Balor in front, they all two-sweet each other. Oh, yeah, I heard they two-sweeted Razor Ramon and and the, the other clique, like the NWO guys. Yeah. That's fun. They all too sweet. And then the revival shows up and are like, fuck all these assholes. We don't care about you guys. Too sweet. This is bullshit. Oh, yeah. They buried them by making them look like fucking morons. They just got back on the main roster. If the revival had isolated Finn Balor and like crotched him and then pinned him, that could actually create a you embarrassed me in front of Degeneration X, my spiritual predecessors, and I'm going to destroy you now. Instead, they won because they wanted everybody to get off their finishers. And it was like a fucking clusterfuck. 
Well, I'm sure everything was a fucking clusterfuck, but I, I kind of enjoyed some of the little poker things. I thought they were pretty fun. I thought that was cute. And Stone Cold came back, and he stunned everybody. I, you know, whatever. I, I mean, felt that was probably the high point. And Jericho was there. Jericho was there in an NJPW Alpha Club t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. You watched SmackDown? No. There was no 25, so. Sami Zayn beat AJ Styles with a fucking blue thunderbomb, baby. Bam. Just like that. That's all there is to it, Dustin. That's all there is to it. A winner. I heard. I kind of feel bad that I did miss that because that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> you watch 205 Live? That's still on? Yep. <laughs> no. Although, oh, I should watch it. Goldust is on it now, right? Yeah. Fuck. I love Goldust. Watch some Sailor Moon. Of course. You always watch Sailor Moon. Yes, I didn't. But that doesn't make you a loser. The girls pretend to be breaking up so that... The Negaverse will, you know, try and influence them and steal Sailor Moon away so that they can find a way in and, and rescue Tuxedo Mask. But uh, it didn't really work. And surprisingly, although this was one of those episodes I remembered really liking when I was a kid, spoiler alert, didn't like it that much. In some other news, can we get a big fuck you to Enzo Amore? Hell yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck you, Enzo Amore. Fuck you, bastard. Fucking swim out into the ocean and drown, you fucking asshole. Man, why you gotta do that, like, Italian stereotype shit, too? Like, what the fuck, man? Also, just want to say to the other person involved in this, you're very fucking brave putting your name and your photo out there, speaking truth to power. Yeah, no, God bless and don't check your email for like a thousand years. Oh, and a message to our listeners. If you have an opinion one way or another, don't email anybody anything or talk shit about them anywhere. It's not It's not cool, man. I would agree, but also the appropriate opinion to have is fuck Enzo Amore. Well, yeah, I don't like him anyway, but, you know, I, it's, yeah. In other news, the XFL is back. Youch. All right, yeah. I'll watch it. You know what? I will actually watch it. It's also, like, fucking super conservative and racist. <laughs> you know what? I'm still going to try it out. Because the original XFL was actually kind of weird and interesting. It's all confused because it's not going to be like the old XFL. The old XFL was for scumbags. But now, Vince McMahon is like, it's going to be faster and harder hitting. But also, we're going to take safety into consideration. And we don't want all this politics involved in our football. And it's like, you fucking gross old asshole. I mean, I like the idea of shit where, like, the commentators and the coaches get into fights with each other. Give me some wrestling in with my football. Because I don't really like football. I do really like wrestling. And it might be pretty cool to watch them interact again. And I remember the XFL was kind of fun. I don't, I don't think I watch more than one game. One of the reasons that I like wrestling and don't like football is wrestling, the injuries are supposed to be fake. Mm. I don't like watching people literally turn their brain into mush in front of me. I will watch UFC or like, you know, MMA if it's on, but I don't seek it out because I don't like feeling like I'm paying. The three things that people asked Vince McMahon about in this announcement were, do people have to stand for the anthem? Why the fuck are they asking that? 
That's upsetting. And it was like very clearly supposed to be yes. Why would you even ask that? It's a fucking sports entertainment company. Because they're positioning this as real football. They're giving it back to the fans. It's about as real as it's going to be, but it, that's no guarantee it's going to be as real as it as real. No, no, no. This is not wrestling football. I know what you want. I want that too. I know. That's basically what the XFL was too. If you actually read into it, apparently like only one team even trained or anything. Like, I don't know, whatever. This is literally Vince McMahon saw that weird rambling speech that Donald Trump gave where he was like, they don't even let them hit each other anymore. The NFL ratings are down massively. Today, if you hit too hard, right? They hit too hard, 15 yards, throw him out of the game. They had that last week. I watched for a couple of minutes. and Two guys just really beautiful tackle. Boom, 15 yards. They're ruining the game, right? They're ruining the game. I got to bring the XFL back, baby. Oh, you think that was the reason why? Watch the announcement. It's Ouch. It's pretty bad. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. Somebody also asked him if he asked Linda if he could start this, and his one-word answer was no. <laughs> yeah, he probably should have consulted her a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> You're, no, you know what? Never mind. I answered my own question. Of course. He probably should have asked. He's an insane old racist who is known for wasting money on things that don't go anywhere. Maybe ask your wife every once in a while, hey, is this a good idea? No, it failed 20 years ago. It's going to fail today. Oh, okay, thanks. I think I have a classic wrestling fans relationship with Vince McMahon where I hear a lot about him and I'm like grossed out, don't like it. But at the same time, I mean, I kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's done so much shit that I like. You like giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I understand that. I am not the same way. When he pulled off that hood and shouted, it was me, Austin. I mean, come on. It was me all along. <laughs> Even my immediate family didn't know. <laughs> I mean, come on. You gotta let that guy have a football company every once in a while. Even if it's every 20 years. I mean, what's gonna what's gonna happen? It's not gonna be bad. Come on. It's gonna be just as racist and sexist as his wrestling company. Ugh. How am I gonna have to watch this? Am I gonna have to, like, subscribe to something? Because then I'm not gonna watch it. Before we get to the episode, I've got some good news, Alec. Ooh, good news. Your Christmas gift has finally arrived. It's here. But you're going to have to wait until this weekend, listener, <sighs> last weekend for you, to find out what it is. I'll give it to you yeah. when we watch the Royal Rumble together, okay? Yeah, it's going to sound great. It's going to be great. I can't wait for the Bushy Masks. Bushy Mask? Yeah, Bushy Mask. Oh, Bushy Mask. With all that out of the way, Yeah. you want to talk about the episode? Yes, let's please. NXT starts off this week with what we've all been waiting for. Oh, yes. A Velveteen Dream promo. Oh. In the WWE Universe, dedicated garment gumshoes who investigate these faux pas are members of an elite squad known as the Fashion Police. These are their stories. Dun, dun. He beautiful. is dressed in... A weird head wrap. 
Yeah, it's very weird. And a single dangly spike earring, big circular glasses, and a white vest with the blue and white Greek meander around the shoulders and collar, and a big kind of mandala-looking thing on the chest. And he's actually orchestrating his own promo. Yeah, he's in charge of the green screen. He's got all the After Effects going. First he snaps, and the house lights go out. And then he goes, and now how about some ambiance? And the purple smoke comes in. Atmosphere. And then it's like this boom chicka boom chicka boom chicka boom chicka. <laughs> and he's like, and now illumination. And the lights turn on the spot. And he turns around, and now he's ready to give the promo. This is exactly what we need. He's so unique doing his own deal this is like a real classic style promo where it's like the character comes through it kind of gets back to what i was saying last week about how it makes sense that alistair black has packages and adam cole has promos of course the velveteen dream his promo is going to be overproduced and is going to have effects on it and it's going to be lavish He's not the kind of guy that just grabs a mic and gives a loading dock promo. And he's in control of the whole thing. And it's all about him. And it has to be live because the camera needs to be exactly on him in the middle. It's it's really great. You get so much out of it just from looking at him and hearing him like direct the dumb actor after effects. <laughs> he starts off actually talking about how good Johnny Gargano is. This is classic too. You'll hear old-timey heels being like, Hulk Hogan, of course you're number one. You got the giant arms and you got the this and that, you know? And then they'll be like, but I'm still gonna beat the shit out of you because you never fought anyone like me. And that, that's exactly this. It's awesome. That Johnny Gargano dreams of being champion. You know, we all dream of being NXT champion one day. Life just allows us to experience different paths. Johnny Gargano, and I don't doubt that you're the superstar to do that. But not yet. Not when the choices are you, and you have the choice of me. The Velveteen Dream. So good. It's great. It's great. He goes from building this guy up to immediately going personal. While we all know your eyes was tainted in doubt. I really like that. The yeah, tainted. Yeah. The dreams experience was pure. I love him saying pure too. It also harkens back to the Alistair Black thing where he's calling himself the light, you know? Oh yeah. He sees himself as this giving Mother Gaia figure that's going to show up at NXT and just nurture everybody and show them the way and everybody else hates him. Well, it's because the way is him. <laughs> him beating you. Oh, you poor disillusioned idiots. No matter how the pieces fall, John, a dream will be over. I like the idea that it's like me. I am putting something on the line, too, by finding you. Because if I lose, then all of a sudden, I'm not pure anymore. Like, my rise hasn't been, you know, this meteoric. No dips in the road. If 
fuck Alistair Black. Who knows what that guy is? I, I don't remember who that is. That that didn't happen. <laughs> but he got his way out of that fight. You know, he like, did. His whole thing isn't I'm going to be champion right away. It's I always get my way. I know how to play people to get what I want. He's very selfish, but at the same time, his motivation is never just like I'm gonna win because winning is good and the belt is important. He's like. I wasn't even interested, but then Johnny Gargano got this spot, and I don't think you're worth it. So it's up to me to make sure that you don't get it. It's not even like I'm going to be the champion. Even though he kind of says that, it's 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 more like you you won't be champion when I'm here to be champion. Like, there's no way. You skipped me, and that's not fucking cool. The belt is almost not even really... I, I don't know. It's very weird with him. But it, it works. Moro is going to put this over in a big way when their match happens because he spends most of the match talking about how you have to respect Velveteen Dream. And you're like, oh shit, Moro's going hard for everybody looking up to the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, well, somebody's gotta, somebody's gotta be on his side because Nigel. This is also going to be the first of two times tonight that a heel is going to specifically threaten a face's dreams. It's a foregone conclusion when it's Velveteen Dream. Dream's right there. Yeah. You gotta tie it in. A lot of the build towards TakeOver this weekend, or last weekend for the listeners, has been not about the things that are on the line, but the ideas that are on the line, you know? And yeah. that's so much more compelling. Anybody can win a belt. But when a heel is going, I'm going to crush your dreams. Yeah. I'm going to... Everything you live for, I'm going to make it look like shit. That's such a great build. When Baszler says it later, and spoiler, it's Baszler that says it later, it's probably one of the best lines in the whole fucking episode. Let's jump in there because you know it's one of my boys right here, No Way Jose, who comes out. For the first match. I sounded very Percy there for a second, didn't I? And the, even the, the emphasis, no way Jose who comes out. Yeah, that's that's not good. I should I should cut that out. You want to take another try at that? And maybe I'll take another shot. For match number one, we have my boy, Jose. <laughs> no, never mind. Just leave in the first one. <laughs> I'm no good. They got to know that. <laughs> if they don't know that, then... What are they going to know? It'll never happen. It'll never happen. I was about to say the name of my actual friend named Jose. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking idiot. Hey, that's my gimmick. All right. <laughs> so. As No Way Jose comes out, Nigel tries to get in the mood. Oh, that's right. Nigel's finally learned the word pinata. The one-man siesta, the human piñata. Someone give me a stick. It's a fiesta, Nigel. Hey, uh, Nigel, articulate. Articulate, my friend. I will do my best. Piñatas. Now, people get on me and people say I don't like Jose, but I'll be honest, his ring entrance is actually my second favorite ring entrance in all of NXT. What's number one? Everybody else combined. <laughs> You're a sad, sad man, Nigel. Very happy. The stuff suit, brother. No, he, uh, yeah, he calls him the pinata of NXT. He says, it, even though he talks shit about No Way Jose, he still has his second favorite entrance right after everyone else. Yeah. 
<laughs> I thought that was pretty good. What a little shit. That was like a Bobby Heenan thing to say. That was Percy continues to make strong headway in this episode. Oh yeah. But Nigel is so far ahead of all of them. Nigel's just the best of the whole table. It's the craziest thing. I thought I was... We were doing this podcast, and when we started, I was like, this is just going to be the fucking shit Morrow says podcast. (laughs) Until, uh, I don't know, like a month ago? I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, boom. Nigel remembered that he's funny. (laughs) It's like, oh, I can tell jokes. This is great. This is an interesting match because we still don't get to see what's on Cesar Bononi's uh, butt, even though you almost get a glimpse. It's also not a great match. There's a lot of slow, hunky dunkiness, jumping into moves by Bononi. There's a lot of kind of lazy, just last minute, I'll grab you right now by Jose. There's a lot of telegraphing. Especially by Bononi. There's one point where he just ducks down and waits to get hit by a swinging neckbreaker and it's just really oof it's not fantastic but i think you can't expect amazing things out of a guy as green as bononi who kind of probably needs a lot of work we've seen him perform well i think he's probably just one of those guys that needs more performance we've also seen him perform against people like gargano and Almost. They can kind of carry you a little bit. If you get slow, if you slow down, if you're waiting for something, they will pick up on that and they'll get you. I don't think No Way Jose does that because I think he kind of just is like, well, fuck it. This is what we're doing. No Way Jose has always been a little sloppy and he's coming back from seven months off of TV for no explainable reason. And that doesn't do anybody any good. He's just like, yeah, okay, I know the finish. That's all I need. That doesn't work with Benoni. You could tell he's just like, no, we're supposed to do this. He's been gone for seven months. His wrestling is showing a little bit of rust because of it. The audience still fucking loves his gimmick. They love him. His gimmick is over so bad. They love him. They love him coming out to the conga. They're dancing. There's everything. They love the stupid, stupid finishing punch. Oh my god, it's like the stupidest thing in the He universe. throws him up in the air and punches him. He doesn't just do that. Hold on, that's not the stupid part. The stupid part is when he takes off his dumb wrist sleeve and then fucking windmills for 45 seconds. That's the stupid part. It isn't even an elbow pad or something that would... It's just a fucking Jeff Hardy wrist sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't actually buffer the damage that your forearm is gonna do. And people talk shit about Santino Morella. Are you kidding me? At least he put a glove on. (laughs) People love this shit before the match and after the match. The second the match starts, it's like fucking crickets out there. We hear the shittiest thing to hear at an NXT show. We hear a CM Punk chant, which is just like, Yay, I'm a smart and I'm here. And and I don't like when I'm seen, so I'm going to CM Punk because I read on the internet that's what you do. Luckily, it sounds like there are a bunch of people in the audience that immediately start booing and throwing things at this person because they shut up pretty quickly. 
Yeah, there's a there's I think there's like more than one guy CM Punking, but yeah, no, you're right. They the audience does fight against them, and as they should. This is a wrestling show. You're there to lose the illusion that it's fake. Create the illusion that it's not fake. You're there to look at it and enjoy. And I don't need some fucking asshole screaming CM Punk in my ear because that's going to just take me out of it. This whole episode is a weird fight between two elements in the crowd. Half of the crowd wants to be shitty smarks and the other half of the crowd really wants to get invested in the matches. And the tension is palpable. It really is. So then right after that, we get a fantastic constructed promo package for the Black Coal match coming up, the Extreme Rules match. We get some replays from past events. We get sound bites from, you know, previous pa- promo packages. We get the body as a weapon thing. It's too bad I had to register my hands in step as lethal weapons. Freaking government made me do that. What are you... We could mangle and embarrass you or embarrass and humiliate you. Now, it was mangle and embarrass. Yeah, it's mangle and embarrass. The one where he reiterated himself was when he said, should I be scared or frightened of an extreme rules match? Yeah, that's really... Ooh, it's too bad they didn't put that in there. But yeah, it was a fucking great package, actually. Even though it felt a little long, I actually really got super hyped. And I'm really hyped still for the match. I think it's probably going to be the match. While I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I know all this shit. This is for, like, lame wads who aren't watching NXT every week and making notes. And then at the end, it ended, and I was like, can't wait to see this match! It wasn't for them. It was for us. It works. It works great. After the Black Coal package, we get... Match two, the return of Bianca Belair. Woo woo! Versus Latoya, who is already in the ring. Doesn't get an entrance. We only know because Moro said her name is Latoya. She was apparently on Tough Enough. Good for her. She's not bad. She's not bad at all. She's a good foot shorter than Bianca Belair, and Bianca Belair is not the tallest woman in the world. But she's a lot heavier than her, which shows off. Bianca's strength, because they do a lot of spots where Bianca can pick her up and toss her around. The only downside is she probably has a bit too much of a local following for a squash match. One of the first things that happens is people start chanting for LaToya. Yeah, she points out in the audience. She gets a good moment where she gets to soak it in. It Builds her up for a second as a credible threat, which probably would have been good for a squash match. The only problem is the Smarks come back and start chanting, let's go Jobber, over the people chanting for LaToya, and it devolves a little. When I first heard the let's go Jobber chants, I couldn't figure out what it was, but after two of them, I was like, oh, I instinctively laughed for a second, and then I instantly deflated. I was like, could you imagine being at that event and hearing people chant, let's go jobber? That's fucking disgusting. I didn't mind it that much, except that it kept going. Three or four of them would have been a funny joke, and then you probably should go into, let's go Bianca, or Bianca Belair. Something that says, I actually care about this match, not, I don't like the person you like. It's kind of like when people chant Cena sucks and you kind of go, yeah, but he's in there with a guy. Even if you don't like Cena, shouldn't you be then 
chanting for the guy he's up against. No, the thing I care about is I don't like Cena, right? Fuck Cena fans. And this kind of felt like that, where it was more about some smarks in the audience trying to shut up a local crowd than anything else. It's like, stop cheering for the wrestlers. You should be thinking about me. (laughs) It kind of felt like a smart problem. Kind of felt like a crowd problem. It also, to me, felt like a booking problem where I think that LaToya might have been over just a little bit too much. I can see that when you're saying it, but to me, I don't think that's the case. Because if you imagine if the Let's Go Jobber chant didn't happen, this would have been great. She would have had a local following, which meant TV audiences would have been like, oh, that's interesting. She actually has like, you know, like 10 people out there chanting for her. And, you know, she put on a great show. She looked like she was getting fucked up. She sold like getting her hair pulled and everything. And she looked great. And also she took moves like a boss and she was lifted, which served to get Bianca over like crazy because this woman is bigger than her. It's pretty impressive. Well, who was it that she gorilla pressed before? Was it Mercedes Martinez? I think she gorilla pressed Mercedes Martinez. No, I think it was Mercedes Martinez. So it was it was really impressive. Which really brings us to what this match is all about. Bianca is back. Damn right. I can't wait to see her versus everybody. How sick is it going to be for her versus Shayna Baszler when this Ember thing is over? Her pony braid now has stars and EST woven into it. Oh, yeah. Fucking great. And that was another fucking smart thing where they're like, that's a weapon. This is my hair. I don't wear wigs. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Go jump in front of a bus. Fuck you. I kind of liked the guy yelling, that's a weapon. Yeah, but it was like more than one guy. It's like, that's the thing. If it's just one guy and he says it once and then everybody laughs and then they fucking let it go, that's cool. You have a good time. She not only lifts LaToya up multiple times, she wins. LaToya finally gets enough bearings on her to get up on the top rope. She's going to do a top rope maneuver. As she comes down, she gets the hair whip to the stomach. Back into this matchup here in her NXT TV debut. High oh, risk and she paid for it. Oh my God. Do you hear that? That was the long EST ponytail NXT. Well said. Uh-oh, I'm losing it. The sound is incredible. You can't fucking beat that. And then... Reverse powerbomb. Powerbomb over Bianca Belair's head. It looks amazing. It's almost Alabama slam backwards in a way. I don't know. It's it's great. Bianca Belair, man. She's going to be the future. I mean, guaranteed. Everybody's saying it, but they're right. So what the fuck? I'm, say- I'm saying it too. <laughs> She's going to be one of those people that some cocky assholes on the internet are going to be like, Oh, they're hot shotting her to the top. They're they're moving her up too quick, and everybody else is gonna be like, "No, they aren't. She deserves to be on the top." For fuck's sake! No way. She has such a great look, such a great physique, such a great work ethic. Like the way that she makes moves look, and her gimmick is great, and her character comes out through her body language. We haven't even seen really a promo yet, and we're all over her. She's really telegraphing how much of a cocky ass heel she is now. 
She was always doing it a little bit. Lots of little, like, fucking hand waves and... Waving people off. Just little things like hand on the hip, turning her shoulder to her competitor. Just having a really shitty face all the time. Yeah, at one point she's bending down to, like, look at LaToya, and she turns her head so her braid goes around the other side of her knee. And it's just, like, such a shitty... It's like, look... I can control my hair. Her face constantly looks like she smells a dead mouse in the wall. <laughs> Ugh, did something die? Jesus Christ. Yeah, she's going to be great. You could turn her face, too. You could do whatever you want with her. She's awesome. More bright spots for the future of the women's division, because right after this, we get an interview. It's like a, it's an interview. It's a adversarial interview it's like a mediated talk it's like yeah that's good mediation is an increasingly common way to resolve disputes judges are requiring it more often it's more popular with litigants and the ranks of mediators and mediation services are growing to meet that demand i like that it's a mediated talk between ember moon and Shayna baszler with percy as the mediator honestly i think percy does an okay job i think he's good i think I like this meteoric rise of Percy. I think that 2018 is the year of Percy. He's still a little clunky, but he's clunky in a very endearing way. He's lovable. He's great. I think you could tell he's super into it. I like He very much is like a group psychiatrist that's trying to get people to talk together, but is a little bit in the deep end, maybe, because he keeps going like, but what? can, Can you please just say one nice thing about the other people in this room? Nah, fuck her. He fucking loves Ember Moon and everything she stands for, but he's also really impressed and thinks Shayna Baszler is super cool, so he has to kind of, like, try and play it neutral if Um, he can. She's got aviator sunglasses and spikes on her shoulders. She is very cool. She is very cool. She also sounds like the thing she says, and even a little bit her voice, she sounds like a high school bully, so, like... That's pretty cool. We get to see the Ember Moon that I wanted all this time. I'm fucking in the sky with this Ember Moon. I'm in love with the concept of Ember Moon right now. She's awesome. She's staring Shayna Baszler in the face every time Percy talks, and she looks like she is about to fucking punch her in the nose. Her eyes are locked in on her. She doesn't blink. She looks like she's got a targeting system going off, and she's just like... The entire time... She's like that. Shayna Baszler is slumped down in her seat, yeah. looking off to the side and smirking. She's like sniggering. She's like, <laughs> she's laughing. Both in what oh. they say and how they act, these are two incredibly clear cut characters. I couldn't agree more. And, and, and Ember is the hammer of justice. I know exactly what you're doing. You might think, that I'm playing into your shit. But don't believe that for a second. I am willingly here so I can kick your ass because you're a jerk. You were deliberately trying to injure Dakota Kai. That is not cool. She calls Shayna Baszler a bully. Shayna is nothing more than a bully. She thinks that she can come into our division, take shortcuts, jump people from behind, try to injure Dakota Kai. What are you, overcompensating for something? You realize you just couldn't cut it in the NXT Women's Division? Please, do tell Shayna. I thought that was awesome. This is what a face can do. 
to be mean. You can be a mean face because when you're mean as a face, you're drawing attention to the inadequacies of your opponent and just being like, you just don't know how to fucking do things. The way you do things is wrong and bad. And someone needs to kick your ass. But Shayna does things perfectly as a heel because she's yeah. like, I don't care what you think of my tactics. I don't care what the fans think of how I act. I don't care that everyone knows the path that I took to get there, the struggles I went through, because I assure you, I worked just as hard as you. So you have to stir up waters to catch fish. And Ember Moon is the big fish in this pond. I don't give a fuck. I'm not here to play by the rules. I'm here to be the best. And if playing by the rules is a disadvantage, then why would I fucking do it? And when she calls Ember a big fish, she's like, you're the biggest fish in the pond. Ember comes back and she's like, I'm the big fish for a reason. So it's amazing. It actually really works. It's so cool to not have this like weird fantasy bullshit and also not have this weird I'm like a happy-go-lucky person even when I'm mad at you bullshit going on. I just I feel like they're really giving her way more control or they maybe they saw what what she could do in that retrospective at the end of the year and they were just like, "Ooh, give us a hell of a lot more of that." Because she even comes back with her like honor, uh integrity, uh, skill, you know, she heart, she says all those things again. And it's just like, I'm really into it. I'm yeah, buying and, it. And she says that those are the things you have to have to be champion. See, being NXT Women's Champion means that you have responsibilities. If you ever become NXT Women's Champion and set aside all of your selfishness, Shayna, you might get a small glimpse of what that means. Shayna Baszler steals the belt. Maybe in stealing it, she will understand that a little bit more than she does now. That's so great. That's such a fucking great thing to say. She's like, because she's even like, I'm going to, even if you win, maybe you could be redeemed by like holding the belt. That's so sick. I think one of the reasons that Ember Moon is shining so much right now is because the problem with her Asuka feud is she could respect Asuka too much. She doesn't respect Shayna. She thinks Shayna is a bully. And so there is a clearly defined reason why she's fighting this person. With Asuka, it was like, oh, I respect you. Good competition. And that's good for a one-off. But for an ongoing feud, it's hard to keep up like, no, we're both just trying our hardest. You know? Yeah, because it's difficult to have a face-face feud that lasts that long. And no matter what they wanted to make her, Asuka was always a face. I liked halfway through that feud, they tried to make her start injuring people, and were like, she's a heel now. And everybody was like, no, she's great. Oh, okay, I guess she's still a face. Fuck. We were giving her the Asuka's gonna kill you chance when she was getting booked like a face. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. The interview ends with Shayna Baszler standing up and looking into Ember Moon's eyes and saying, At NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, when you wake up and see me walking away with that title, you're gonna know that's me. 
walking away with your dreams. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Oh. Again. That was awesome. I love the idea of somebody specifically targeting their competitors' hopes and dreams. I don't give a shit about the title. I used to give a shit about the title. I wanted to win the title. Now what it's about is putting you in your place for daring to stop me from getting the title. It's going to be really satisfying when, you know, I know we're doing predictions later, but it's going to be really satisfying when Ember wins. I hope to God. Shark versus wolf. Shark versus wolf. It's going to be awesome. Next up, we've got some minor shit. We have TM61's second package reintroducing them to us and the first thing they do is call alec a fucking nerd their tm61 is a missile as well does anyone bring that up nope all they bring up is that it's a pokemon thing don't admit that you know it's a pokemon thing according to bulbapedia tm61 is the special move willow wisp nerd yeah well you know what fuck you guys i know I know I'm a fucking Nerd. I know I'm a fucking Pokemon Mark, but you know what? That's how I used to make money when I was a kid. I used to fucking gamble on Pokemon duels. So fuck you kids. You don't know. If you think that it's a Pokemon thing, maybe just keep it to yourself. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna keep it to myself. I have a fucking wrestling podcast, so I'm entitled to say everything all the time. It's Willow Wisp, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, you motherfucker. Fuck you guys. You know what? I don't like them anymore. This package is pretty much all about, I think it's Shane's injury. He hurt his knee, competed through a couple of matches with a hurt knee, then had to rehabilitate. It's a good package. Good package. Yeah, I'm excited for them again. Excited Highlights of again. it are Corey being a scumbag. Handsome, charismatic, funny, and talented. And they're Australian, so like chicks dig their accent. <laughs> oh, I loved that. I love that. You know, the girls always fucking dig it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, fucking love Corey. Corey Graves, you're the man. One thing that I think is the hidden gem in this TM61 promo is how fucking great does, if this is Shane, I think it is Shane. How fucking great does Shane look with the long hair? Man, he looked like a fucking dingus before. Maybe that year was just, you know, growing his hair out because fuck, he needed that. Now, we're about ready for a great match. An awesome match for the ages. <laughs> Check that time bar, guys, because you know this one's going to fill it up. It's Authors of Pain coming out to the ring with Paul Ellering, and two dudes are already standing in there. Uh-oh. Are we boned? Yeah, we're boned. <laughs> it's AOP versus two NWO Jasons. I have no clue who these guys are. Yeah, NWO Jason and NWO Johnson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and their manager, NWO Jackson. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not great. I think that they say their names are James Brown. Pay it back! I'm mad! And Davy Smith. So, Davey Smith, okay. R.I.P. Wow. James Brown and Davey Smith. Awesome. That's pretty good. Wow. The other guys are like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and fucking Michael Jackson, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking crazy. Yeah, okay, great. AOP comes into the ring. 
they just immediately just crush these guys in five seconds. The commentary team keeps going. They haven't even rung the bell yet, as though it was going to be one of those things where the ref rings the bell and then it goes the full match. It's like, no, 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 just just let him kill these two guys. We know this is going to be a 15-second squash match, which is what it is. They end with a super collider, which actually looks okay, because I guess you don't have to protect NWO Johnson. We'll pay for your medical bills. Just let them smash them into you. And then they get smashed, and then later, Triple H is in the back, and he's like, I didn't tell you. You're a, you're an independent contractor. <laughs> Is that how you do it, Dad? I learned it by watching you. It's Ray's a fun arm. match because it's 10 seconds and it's really just a great AOP promo because holy shit, they're speaking English. They're speaking and they're yelling. Undisputed Era, this is you. Look at this. This is you. At NXT TakeOver, it's your turn. And then they start talking in their other language, which is great. You know, it's great to know that they can start delivering promos now. This is what they need, because guess what? They're definitely going up now. Maybe Paul Ellering has lost control of his beasts? They grab those mics before Paul Ellering tells them to do anything. And there are a couple of moments where Paul Ellering is, like, tapping them on the backs, like, Okay, guys, uh, uh, hand me the mic. It's my turn. I gotta say some shit about books. And they're like, no. Oh, damn. You think that they're not going to let him talk about books? Uh-oh. Co-authors of Pain. We want Uh-oh. our names on, on these things, man. Finally, we come to our main event. It's Johnny Wrestling Gargano versus the Velveteen Dream for number one contendership for the NXT Men's Championship this Saturday at TakeOver Philly. Listeners, last Saturday for you. Before we talk about the match, it's the Fashion Police. These are their stories. Velveteen Dream. So this is the second time we've talked about his fashion tonight. And guess what? Right. It's completely different, but still amazing. Oh, of course. It's beautiful. He's a beautiful guy. He's got the big Tupac bandana again. You gotta have that. He's got his big circular sunglasses. Not the three lens ones, but... The big circular ones. He's got the Dreamcatcher Three Feathers earring, but only one of them. He's got black tights, which have layered tassels all the way from the elastic waist to the bottom. He looks like a bunch of lampshades. He's got his white dragon scale boots from TakeOver War Games. But the centerpiece is a Johnny Gargano johnny wrestling t-shirt that the sleeves have been tasseled and it's cut off at the midriff you gotta have that it is you gotta see that fucking velveteen six pack spectacular Oof, man velveteen dream is one of the best looking people alive <laughs> he's amazing I would put him up against anybody else on the planet for how he dresses, especially. He's got it down. He knows what he's doing. We've talked about the Velveteen Dream twice. It wouldn't be fair not to talk about Johnny Gargano once. It's another fashion police. We've never talked about Johnny Gargano's weird Flash Gordon vest. Yeah, it's interesting we never have because I actually really like it. It looks great. It's a little weird though, right? Oh, yeah, but he's a little weird. It's a leather vest, zip up front. Like, all the way up. It's got a very short Mandarin collar, 
And then these weird hardened paneled sections over the shoulders. They aren't really shoulder pads. They're just these weird hardened... Like I said, it looks like a Flash Gordon fantasy sci-fi guard character. He's got his little winky face guy on there too. On his chest on one side. It's like embossed or something. I don't know. With it on, he looks like a completely different kind of wrestler than Johnny Gargano the second he takes it off. The second he takes it off, he looks like, good, I'm going to try hard wrestling boy. With it on, he's like... Defender of Ming the Merciless. Even so, he still acts like the biggest face on the fucking planet. Even with the fucking thing on. Because what the thing is on is when he climbs up on the top ropes and does that little, like, scouting out the crowd that basically melts my heart every time I see it. Velveteen Dream has now upped his non-pay-per-view entrance. Yeah. It used to be that they just played his entrance video. Now, the video screen, the LCD screen behind the wrestler's entrance is completely purple. He comes out and starts vamping, and then the smoke starts rolling in. And the second the smoke starts rolling in, they start actually playing the entrance video of his silhouette dancing in the smoke. And then he has a kind of vamp off with his own silhouette. It's very good. This is a guy who has a lot of attention to detail. I would hire him for any sort of like art job. And he's 22. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. I wasn't this well put together at 22. Jesus Christ. I'm still not that well put together. (laughs) And I'm fucking like. Oh, cut that. I don't want people knowing my age. Eh, I don't cut it. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Johnny Gargano comes out first. And there's pretty good crowd reaction for him. But the lights dim for the Velveteen Dreams entrance. And everybody loses their shit. People are super psyched to see him. But then Velveteen Dream gets to the ring. And all of a sudden, there are a couple people in the audience that have decided to rebel against the Velveteen Dream supporters. You start hearing Johnny chants. For the first five minutes of this match, we get competing Velveteen Dream Johnny Wrestling chants. The crowd is so invested in this match. Well, it's all about the here and now. Will Johnny Gargano move the decision to allow Velveteen Dream an opportunity? Or will the Velveteen Dream... It never dies down. There are parts where you can hear people start to fade off. It's quieter. The Johnny Wrestling chant is quieter. And then the Velveteen chant gets louder. And then they're like, no, 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 fuck that. You're not going to win. It's amazing. These two wrestlers, they really understand what the fuck they're doing. And they probably aren't even at the peak. They're probably going to keep going and it's going to be my Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're going to go up. They pace it so well that every single time something dies down, There's a couple of seconds of kind of calm and then somebody does something and everybody loses their mind again. It's so methodical because it's Velveteen Dream who is an amazing wrestler but primarily does character work and Johnny Gargano who has a pretty good character but primarily does wrestling. Even the things that reignite people's interest is varied because sometimes it's Velveteen Dream just yelling in Johnny Gargano's face. And other times, 
It's a cannonball senton. I knew it was going to be great when I looked at it and I realized I was salivating over five minutes of Velveteen Dream trying to get out of a front face lock. Even the two commercial breaks couldn't ruin it. They tried. They tried to fuck this match. They couldn't fuck it. We get some good reoccurring spots. The first one is the classic Velveteen Dream's showboating bites him in the ass. Fucking purple rainmaker. You know, suck a dick. Yeah, get out of here with this shit. I'm not that damaged that you can take 20 minutes to dance on top of the turnbuckle before you hit me with an elbow. I really liked how both of them sold in this match. The Velveteen Dream, about halfway through the match, he stops walking or running places and starts scrambling. He kind of pushes himself across the map. He can't fully stand up. Gargano does similar stuff. They really both sell specific injuries. Gargano's neck, Velveteen Dream's left arm. But they also just sell the idea that they're tired. A ton of the near falls are just like, I can barely put my hand on top of your chest. Gargano does it the first time with a rebound clothesline. And it really made me feel like, Dean Ambrose, this is, this is how you do a rebound clothesline. You know, he gets super kicked in the face and just barely recovers on the ropes to hit a clothesline and then both of them fall down. And I like that so much more because it isn't just getting thrown into the ropes. It's like, it's actually a rebound clothesline. Yeah, it's falling into the ropes. Obviously, it's hard to make something that looks that natural also a signature move. But it looks really good here, and it looks really natural. And the fact that he clearly does it just so that the Velveteen Dream can't cover him, so that it's a wash, I like that. The two of them are thinking through everything that they're doing. We were talking about selling before. I mean, Velveteen Dream's amazing at selling. It's like kind of his whole thing. His face can sell a thousand tickets. His gyrations can sell a thousand more. His expression on his face, you know exactly what's going on in the match. You could take a piss break and come back and you know where we're at just by looking at Velveteen Dream. That is honestly like one of the best things about him. And it's so uncanny. Gargano can sell like that too. But I mean, this is something kind of almost otherworldly. This is kind of up there in that stratosphere with the last Tyler Bate Pete Dunn match where you're like, I can't believe this wasn't on a pay-per-view. This is so good yeah. and so amazing. And it tells a really nice tight story, even though it goes over 20 minutes. This is a takeover match almost. And of course... Everybody is contributing to that, including the commentary team, as it should be. We should definitely talk about something you mentioned earlier in the episode. Nigel is behind Johnny Gargano. Yelling at Gargano that he took his spot, that he doesn't deserve it. There can be no doubt about that. Johnny Gargano certainly deserves it. Without a doubt, the face... Alistair Black, Killian Dane, and Lars Sullivan, and come out on top. And despite some of Velveteen Dream's idiosyncrasies, he is definitely deserving of respect, especially after that match with Alistair Black. 
He loves him. He can't not love him. He worked so hard. At one point, there's a near fall against Johnny, and he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's it. That has to be it. That is it. Johnny Gargano's opportunity at the NXT title. No, Johnny, just no. Got up in flames. Oh, my God. And then when he gets out, he says, I, I mean, I'm trying to be impartial, but you cannot help but feel for Johnny Gargano after everything he's been through. And it's like, wow, Nigel. It really sells Johnny Gargano's struggle. Usually I don't like the Roderick Strong, I've worked so hard shit, but this guy's worked really hard. He wasn't selfish. I'm sure he would have accepted the Undisputed Era invitation. Nigel is pushing Johnny Gargano. Moro is kind of pushing the Velveteen Dream. You can't deny him. It's always after Nigel talks about how great Gargano is. And I like that kind of flip-flopping of the guy that usually likes the face likes the heel in this one because, yeah, he does some underhanded shit sometimes, but he's out here to get respect and we should respect him. And the heel goes, yeah, usually I would like that guy, but I really like this Gargano fellow. He's trying his hardest, man. It was just different enough that... It didn't feel out of place. Confusing, but also really refreshing to hear Nigel talk like that. Moro also, for the second time this episode, makes fun of Nigel's Spanish. Oh, of course. Johnny Gargano does his cannonball senton off the ring apron, and Nigel says, To borrow a phrase from you, Moro, Gargano in El Fuego. <laughs> Let's take one more look. It's en fuego, but let's try not. It's en fuego, but yes, he's he's very fired up, <laughs> Nigel. Everybody's getting behind, even the crowd. Oh my god. All of a sudden, the fucking crowd is good. You can make the argument that the Bononi-Jose match kind of soured the crowd and made them kind of shitty before. They are so into this that they're into everything. After the war of the chance is settled by like a spot or something, they have to do unanimous chance so we get a lot of nxt nxt we get fight forever we get like a ton of really good crowd interaction where they're just they can't stop the crowd even plays along with the heel face fucking dynamic oh wow amazing thank you thank you for doing this guys everybody loves dream but he's the he's the heel he's the heel in this match so he gets up on the rope this is an awesome fucking spot he gets up on the ropes johnny gargano's out of the ring and it looks like He's going to fucking just leap on him or something. He's going to do something. He gets ready to do it. Everybody's like, oh, and he literally just jumps off into the ring again. And he's just like, no, fuck that. <laughs> Basically flipping off the crowd. Go fuck yourself. Boo. Boo. And I even hear like a girl or a kid or somebody. You suck, Velveteen. It was awesome how quick they could fucking turn on this guy. They wanted that spot. And it's so funny because he was actually kind of doing the face thing of he was preventing the, the ref from counting out. Like every time Johnny Gargano would go out and it looks like Dream would win on a count out, which Moro pointed out he would actually get the number one contendership if he every time he's like, no, 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 don't count him out. Don't count him out. It was very interesting to see that. I was like, what are they trying to turn him or something? But then, no, 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 no. Then he did that, and then everybody no, hated him. he's just as entitled and shitty as he was before. Probably the thing that is truly bad about Smarks, I think a lot of people feel like these kind of smarky crowds are trying to always get themselves over. 
But I think the secret is when they're given a good match, they're heavily invested. The problem is if they don't get the best, and this was the best, that's when they start acting like douchebags. Because, oh, this is substandard. They're all about ranking. And I know that this is like fucking rank hypocrisy because this whole podcast is about us dissecting and ranking fucking NXT matches. But they're all about, this isn't up to my standards. So I'm going to start chanting CM Punk. This is a three-star match. You know, even if you don't like a match, you can try to get invested in it. Or you can do what I do when I'm not into a match and put it on the background and do the dishes. And if you're there, if you're physically there... Bring some dishes with you. I don't understand how you cannot be into it. I don't know, whatever. I'm just not I'm just not that kind of guy. Like, the idea of physically being there yeah. is enough for me. Him climbing up on the ropes and jumping into the ring is the start of the other reoccurring spot, which is... Velveteen Dream climbing to the top of the ropes. He gets the booze by denying the spot. He also gets his feet swiped out from underneath him. Finally, he carries Gargano to the top of the ropes and does a Death Valley driver from the second rope. And Gargano kicks out. This just solidifies Gargano effectively is invincible right now. We get the DNA thing again. Someone check that motherfucker's DNA. Did somebody shave a gorilla and put him in this ring? Because it makes him look unstoppable. 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 Almost unstoppable. Unstoppable. Wow! That's my line! That's my line! That's my line! That's my line! Finally, Velveteen Dream goes for his purple Rainmaker. He's so beat up, he can't even pose. He looks like he's going to use his left elbow, but that's so beat up. He goes for the right, and just at the last second, Gargano gets his knees up. As Velveteen Dream rolls off the knees, Gargano gets up, kind of like crouches over, looking at Dream, stares at him for a second, and then puts him in the fucking Gargano escape. Boom, that's it. Done. Tap. Dream taps immediately, but... Gargano takes his time putting on the escape. It's like 10 seconds of slowly, methodically putting the arm over his shoulder. And it looks evil. They're both beat up, but at the same time, it's like Gargano's like, fuck you. Gargano wins. He looks fucking insane. But the winning has given him enough energy to celebrate. Who should interrupt the celebration but... With Zelina Vega, hell yeah. They're walking to the ring, and Ellie Dolo is pointing and laughing at Johnny Gargano. He does the heel thing of holding the belt in Johnny's face, and he turns to Zelina Vega and starts talking to her, and then goes for a cheap shot, and they get into a tussle. Gargano has enough wherewithal not to get hit by the cheap shot, even though he was selling his neck this entire time. I love that, too. He's rubbing his neck while he's staring down on Almas. This is definitely going to be the story of the fight, is can Johnny Wrestling win the belt when he has a fucked up neck? Almas gets the better of him, kicks him in the stomach, yells, I am El Campeon, and throws him out of the ring. 
Yeah, it's great. He goes back to talking shit to Selena Vega, but Johnny Wrestling's not done. He starts climbing up, and you kind of see they got a close shot on Almas, and you see him climbing up in the background, and then all of a sudden you see Almas kind of look back at him. It's almost the slide whistle shot. It's almost the <laughs> Velveteen it kind of, It's got shades of that in there. And Amos is pissed. He's like, why are you climbing up the... Fuck you, you know, you son of a bitch. So he goes to get him. And unlike the slingshot spear that happened during the Velveteen Dream match, which, of course, we didn't mention because, you know, it goes without saying, obviously, it was countered. <laughs> unlike that, there was a slingshot DDT that looked insane and completely destroyed Almas. And then Johnny, Johnny Wrestling gets up. Everybody's chanting. And he is, he's like, yeah. He looks down at the belt. Selena Vega is yelling and screaming to Almas, get up, get up. She yells at Gargano, don't you dare touch that belt. And the second <laughs> she does, the whole crowd starts yelling, touch it, touch it, touch it. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be bad luck, right? Traditionally, faces do not touch the belt before they've earned it. Heels fucking steal it. They don't give a shit. This is going to be part of the fucking promo package when he turns. He's going to be like, you wanted me this way. Faces don't touch the belt. He struggles for a second, but then he decides, I'm going to do it. He picks up the belt, holds it over Almas, and bugs his eyes like no one has ever bugged their eyes before. Yeah, he looks like a fucking sociopath. And that's when I thought to myself, oh, he's fucking dead. Ciampa's gonna fuck him There's up. There's no way, as a face, you have that spot and win. Standing over no. a guy, no way. No way. If he does win, I'm really excited to see what happens next, because the next week he's beating the shit out of No Way Jose or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. Like so that's the episode. It's a fucking great episode. But before we wrap up, why don't we take this conversation one more step? Obviously, for the listeners, it's already happened. But between you and me, let's do some predictions. I love predicting. In a post-match YouTube exclusive, Cassius Ono had some words with the Velveteen Dream. Fun. You said it would take 30 seconds to beat me, huh? Well, why don't we put that to a test at TakeOver Philly? So the first match we got a prediction for, Cassius Ono versus Velveteen Dream. Before I give my prediction, w I know we can't do this to Cassius Ono, but wouldn't it be fucking great if Velveteen D Dream beat him in 30 seconds? I think that this is probably going to end up being like when Sami Zayn lasted the 10 minutes against Braun Strowman. I think that Cassius Ono is going to go a long time. Velveteen Dream is probably going to win. Oh, yeah, he's going to win. But then Cassius Ono is going to be able to say, it took you 10 minutes. I clearly proved you wrong. Yeah, it's going to be something like that. I mean, I, I can't see it working out any other way. Next up, Aleister Black versus Adam Cole in an Extreme Rules match. The heart wants what the heart wants. It's going to be Adam Cole. Adam Cole's going to Adam win. Cole, 100%. <laughs> I mean, fucking come on. I think that this is going to be a really fun takeover, but I don't think that you and I are going to disagree with a lot of the outcomes. 
I just want to see how we get to those outcomes. Because, yeah, Adam Cole, Undisputed Era is going to get involved. Weapons are going to get involved. It would be so disappointing if Adam Cole lost this one without having 400 guys storm the ring and beat up on Aleister Black. Next up, we have Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, the rest of the Undisputed Era, current tag team champions, versus Authors of Pain for the tag team championship. This one, I'm going to say, depends on how fast they're going to move them up. If they move them up right now, they're going to AOP is going to lose. The next night is Royal Rumble. They're losing this and showing up in the Rumble. I see. I don't know that they will, but that's that sounds good. But I don't know if you can have them both show up. I think that they're both showing up. I don't know. I'll take that bet, but lightly. I'll say they win. They're not moving up yet, but I won't be surprised if that happens. I just don't see anything for the Authors of Pain to do anymore besides... That's pretty true, though. ...lose yeah. one last time and then move up to the main roster. That's pretty true, yeah. They yeah. probably do what everybody does when they move up to the main roster. They lose this match, and then in four weeks, they come back to NXT to try to win against the Undisputed Era and lose that time, Jesus too. Jesus Christ. I hope to God they don't do shit like that anymore. It only kind of worked with Bobby Roode, and it sucked with Shayna Baszler and... It worked with Ty Dillinger, but then Ty Dillinger disappeared, which is too bad. Well, yeah, Ty... What? Who? Ty Willinger? What? Number 10. 10 man. Oh! 10 guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, I remember him. 10-10 wins. So you give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. We have the match for the NXT Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler versus the current champion, Ember Moon. Again, the heart wants what the heart wants. Ember Moon all the way. Ember Moon's going to win. Shayna Baszler is going to make it look like a shoot match. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that there's going to be a moment where Shayna Baszler either kicks Ember Moon, where you think, oh, I think that Ember Moon actually got hurt there. And that's going to play into it. Yeah, I could see that. But I definitely think Moon's going to win. I think that's the way to go. And lastly, Andrade Cien Almas, the current men's champion, versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT men's championship. Well... Since I'm never in the room when Johnny Gargano is wrestling and therefore never have the nerve gas pumped into the air around me, that makes me somehow delusionally believe that this man is going to win. The Joker gas, the Smilex. (laughs) Yeah, the Smilex, yeah. I know that Andrade is going to win this one because Zelina Vega is going to walk out with Ciampa or something crazy like that. I can't wait for Ciampa to break Johnny Gargano's ankle. Although, you know, there is that other thing that could happen. Ever since you said it, it would be kind of interesting if Ciampa got involved and was like, I'm helping you win, buddy. We're going to be a tag again. We're going to be evil. Yeah. That you would touched be the belt before you earned it. You're a heel now. I can smell it on you. I think in all reality, no. Andrade is going to win. To recap our plans, we tape this on Thursday. We're going to have a takeover show next week. And then a two-week break. And then after that, we'll catch you up on everything that we missed talking about between those two. We're going to see Nikki Cross versus Lacey Evans. And the return of TM61. So you can expect to hear about that in three weeks.
This has been What's NXT. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. You can contact us at whatsnxtpod at gmail.com. There is still a contest. The first fan to email me, we will say your name on this podcast. Say my name. Say my name. Come on, guys. It's not that hard. Take two seconds. Email us. You can also contact me. I'm on Twitter at Enemy of Both. Alec, anything you want to plug? You got it. I uh, do a Sailor Moon podcast. It's called Under the Tokyo Tower, and we currently are on Apple Podcasts. We're currently on Stitcher, and we're also available on MidnightZero.nyc, where you can chat with us and stuff and listen. Also, this podcast is available on MidnightZero.nyc, where you can also talk and, you know, get in contact with us and get involved in the discussion. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time to find out what happened at TakeOver and what's next. What's NXT? We recorded for 36 minutes. That includes me taking a shit. Nice. Oh, wow. You're fast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like clockwork. <laughs> <laughs>